You can be seated this morning if you can, at least for a little bit. You know, don't, don't expect that if you're, I've got a little bit of ring up here. Don't expect that if you're apathetic in your relationship with Christ that you're going to be going when that trumpet sounds. Oh, don't, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. He, the Bible says, Jesus said in Revelation that, you, that he's going to spit you out of his mouth if you're lukewarm. So, so don't, don't anticipate. There's no such thing as an apathetic Christian. You, the, you know, when I got married, I didn't, I didn't marry my wife with, she didn't come walking down the aisle, and I didn't, I didn't stand up on the stage with an apathetic approach to our marriage. No, when, when we got married, we wanted to say, I do. There was some passion there. We wanted to make a commitment. There was, there was some meaning behind that. Does anybody hear me this morning? You don't, you don't get into a relationship, into a marriage to be apathetic. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. You don't get into a relationship to be apathetic. You didn't get born again. Jesus didn't save you for you to be apathetic about your relationship with him. He wants your passion. He he wants your soul. He wants everything about you fully 100% devoted to him. That's not what I'm preaching on this morning, but but as we were singing that song, I I could it was like gravity was going to let loose any moment and I started thinking about Man, Lord, what is that day going to be like when I'm going to see you face to face? When I step out of this life into the next life, when I I step over, when I cross, what's that day going to be like, Jesus? You know, I think about heaven often, especially here lately, but but I really think about heaven and I think about the goodness of the Lord and what heaven's going to be like and what the sound of heaven's going to be like and what the joy of the Lord and heaven's going to be like and what's the atmosphere of love going to be like and what is Jesus going to look like? I think about heaven a lot lately and I I can't wait to that day. It's kind of like my little daughter, you know, she's seven years old and she talks about her wedding day even now, what she's going to wear and what's her wedding day going to be like. She's excited. Little girl's excited about what that big day is going to be. And all I just keep saying is, honey, you're just going to marry daddy. You're not, you know, you know, you don't need to worry about that. But, but how many of you know when there's an anticipation for a wedding day, there's excitement in the air. The, the, the bride is dreaming about what that day is going to be like. Are you thinking about what that day, what that heavenly day, where we step out of this life into the next, are you thinking about what it's going to look like? Are you thinking, is, is your mind, is it distracted with the thoughts of this world? Or is there, do you got heaven on your mind today? Is the reality of Jesus on your heart today? If not, it's time for spiritual alignment. If not, it's time for alignment, friend. That's what this weekend, we're talking about revival weekend, prayer weekend. That's what this prayer weekend is all about. It's time to pull into the garage and get your wheels aligned because something's off balance. If Jesus is not the forethought of your life, if there's passion for Christ is waning in your heart and your life, it's time to pull into the spiritual garage and get things aligned. Come on, somebody.
I guess I'm going to have to ask everybody on the Facebook world to drop amens in the comments because nobody in the house wants to help me this morning. So maybe everybody out there in the social world will help me out today. But I, but I, I want you to tune your hearts into heaven, friend. Lord Jesus, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Jesus, give us ears to hear and eyes to see the reality of where we're at today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. I'll, since you didn't like that message, I'll, I'll just preach and see if you like the next message. In 1 Kings chapter 19, I want to preach this morning a message called Change the Narrative. <laughs> I'm getting the amens online. <laughs> Maybe not so much in the house, but they're, they're shouting me down online. I hear you. Change the narrative. I, I'm, I'm not talking to you about a political message this morning. We've heard this term associated with politics. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we find the story of Elijah dealing with Jezebel. Many of you remember Jezebel? Let me set the stage for you before we read 1 Kings 19. I am going to read the whole chapter because I think it's just that powerful. But in 1 Kings chapter 18, before we got to this, a couple weeks ago I preached on this. You might remember, if God's God, let him be God. If Baal's God, let him be God. But get off the fence. Stop pay, playing the double-minded game. Stop playing religious games. If God is God, then serve him and rebuild the altar and let the fire fall. Amen. If God is God, is anybody with me this morning? Is God in your life? Is God real in your life? Is his presence real? Is his word real? Is who he is and who he said about you real? Then if it is, let God be God. Stop serving between the God of this world and the God of creation, the God of heaven. Make a, dis make a distinction in your life. Draw a line in the, in the concrete. Stop erasing it in the sand and say, God is God. Build the altar, rebuild the altar, rebuild the altar of prayer, rebuild the altar of self-sacrifice, and let the fire of God fall. That God wants to pour out fresh fire on your life. If the passion and the fire of your relationship with God is growing cold and the embers are barely burning, then like Paul said to Timothy, I remind you, of the faith that is on the inside of you. I remind you of the Word of God that's on the inside of you. Social media world, I remind you of the Word, the deposit that's been made in your life by the preaching of this Word and the laying on of my hands. I remind you of the deposit that has been made into your life. If you're present in the building or you're online with us right now, I remind you of the deposit of faith. There's a deposit that's been made into your life. 
It's resident right now. Just take a look on the inside of you. Yeah, just close your eyes for a moment. And I want just everybody, just humor me for a moment. Whether you're watching or you're in the building, I want you to just close your eyes and take an inventory right now of the faith and the Word of God that's on the inside of you. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. And the tangible reality of heaven is on the inside of you right now. Paul, I say to you by the words of Paul and Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Don't let the embers die out. Get the fuel, get the fuel of the Holy Ghost onto that fire and let it burn brightly. That was 1 Kings 18. We flip forward into 1 Kings 19, and that's where we're going to pick up today. And I'm going to read, uh, the, like I said, the whole chapter. So follow along with me in your Bibles or your phones or whatever, however you read the word today. In 1 Kings chapter 19, and verse 1 says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Pause. Ahab tells Jezebel, he tells his wife, look at what... Elijah did. He killed 850 of our prophets. Fire came. He, he made a spectacle of us. The enemy doesn't like it when you, make, when you call them out. The enemy doesn't like it when you call him out, make a spectacle of his lie. And that's exactly what's happened. When you expose the lie, the enemy gets stirred. When you expose the lie... I want you to hear what I'm saying. When you expose the lie in your life, some of you have been walking around the mountain. I'm talking about changing the narrative this morning. You've been walking around a narrative that's based in a lie. I'm not, tell, I'm not talking about politics today. I'm talking about your life. You've been walking around the mountain of your life around a lie. And the enemy gets stirred when the lie is exposed. Why is that? Because all of a sudden, the path you've been taken, that cycle you've been on, those old tapes that have been playing, the old behaviors that keep cycling, now all of a sudden are going to start changing. You're going to start seeing the truth, living the truth, walking in the truth. Jezebel didn't like the truth. As a matter of fact, she hated the truth, and she wanted to shut it up. She wanted to kill it and snuff it out. There are people and circumstances in your life that will try to snuff out, shut up, stop up, murder the lie. That's what the religious spirit is all about. You fast forward into Jesus' ministry. What was the religious spirit all about? It was about murdering the Christ, murdering the Messiah, murdering the gospel message that Jesus has come to seek and to save those who are lost. What is the religious message all about? It's to stop the redemptive plan of God in your life. The enemy wants that lie to take root in your heart to stop the redemptive work of God. What does it mean, the redemptive work of God? What does it mean to redeem? He's bought back. He's paid a price for your freedom. He's paid a price for your justification. And so when you keep living according to those lies, you keep living according to the old way, the old pattern. Paul told us you take up that slavery 
once again. And so Jesus came to break the bondage of that cycle, to break the pattern of those lies. Jezebel, the religious spirit, doesn't want that to happen. In other words, it's a spirit of Antichrist, wants you to stop and to murder the message of Christ. That's why we have Facebook trying to stop our service this morning. They call it licensing issues. What the, what the liberal mess out there wants, doesn't want you to know is that they want to shut the church up. They want us to be quiet. They don't want the truth coming out. Because if the truth comes out, that means people got to change. That means our nation has to repent. That means that things have to turn around. Oh, I'm, I'm winning friends and making, I'm influencing people and what's the book? Winning friends and how to influence people. I'm doing that this morning. I can tell it. I'm just winning all sorts of friends this morning. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, just as you killed those 850, by this time tomorrow, you're mine. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. I want to I rewind the clock here and talk about Jezebel for a moment. And, and talk about what's happening here. Who does Jezebel think she is? Who, who does she think she is? Who, who does she think she is that she can rise up against the prophets of God... Rise up against the man of God and say, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to stop everything that you're doing. I'm going to snuff out the word of the Lord. Who does she think she is? She's not rising up against just the man of God. She's rising up against God himself. And that, my friend, I just want to highlight is what's happening in the world around us right now. They're not just trying to stop the church. They're coming against the word of the Lord society and everything around the, those <laughs> let, let us make it a little bit more personal let me, let, me, let me bring it down into your life the enemy wants to shut you up and stop the plan of God in your life who does he think he is and who do you think you are to stop and listen to him Elijah got up he ran for his life what happened can I play this out for you? Elijah was sitting back in his lazy boy in his living room, flipping through the TV channels. He had, his, he had had a long day at work. He had to kill 850 prophets. He had had a long, messy day at work. He was covered in blood, and he was just tired. He needed to sit down and relax in his lazy boy. He's got his iPhone out, flipping through Facebook, and his other hand's got the remote going, flipping through every news station out there. 
wanting to get. What's, what's the word on the street about these 850 prophets? What are people saying about, I just killed 850 men for, for everybody to see. I just, the message just went out. Let me, let me see what everybody's saying about me right now. Let's turn on the TV. What are they saying about me? And he got himself in a position to hear news he didn't need to hear. <laughs> Sometimes we put ourselves in a position to get a press release we didn't need to read. How did he have time to hear the lie of the enemy? He put himself in a place to hear the lie that he didn't need to hear. He had a servant that could go answer the door. He had somebody that could go take care of the messenger. He had, he, but he put himself in a place. i got to tell you something. I don't read every letter and email that comes through our church. I, don't, I know that might offend some. But we have, we have people to filter out. I don't need to watch and listen to the lies. I don't need to, good grief, if I told you every kind of letter we've ever gotten in our ministry, you would probably, your mouth would drop. I don't take the time to, to read all of that in the moment. I don't need to hear about how somebody's going to try to kill me or stop our ministry and accuse us of whatever. I don't know. I don't need to take time for all that mess. I don't need to read the bad press releases. I have to hear from the Lord and keep on moving. So if you've sent me a bad letter and I haven't responded, that's why. I'm just... <laughs> it's nothing personal. I just didn't get it. <laughs> right, right, as Jen said, if you plan on sending one, thank you in advance. Because I probably won't get it. We have this handy-dandy machine in the office. It's called a shredder, and it works so well. That's what we do with lies. We just put them in the shredder. That's what you need to do in your life. Just put it in the shredder. Jezebel, I don't have time for this. But, but, but he's sitting. i got to go back. He's sitting on his lazy boy, flipping through the channels and looking on Facebook. What's everybody saying? He's taking time, putting himself in a position to hear what he didn't need to hear. And he got a message that he didn't need to hear from a messenger that never needed to be sent. And it was all, I'm going to kill you. And what does he do? He does the same thing that each one of us do when we hear it. He assigned meaning, more meaning, to what the messenger said than what God was saying. He's, he, he put greater value on what Jezebel's servant had to say. Listen to this over what God had to say. He put more value on what a lying servant said over what God, the Creator, said. And, and we're so easy in our lazy boys looking on social media and watching the news. We, be, we believe a press release. We believe a story and we put value on it based on what everybody else thinks or says. Can I suggest to you that the value we assign to the situations of our life ought to come from what the Word of God says and, and not what society says? 
I, I, I'm teaching you truth today. You say, well, pastor, there's a lot of examples about this. You know, we could talk... Uh, we could talk politics, we could talk about laws, we could talk about family, we could talk about fight. There's a lot of applications to this. And I'm telling you, yeah, there are. But if I tell you the truth and I give you the truth, you ought to be able to study the word of the Lord and apply that truth in your life. I don't need to sit down and, and dot for dot and I, you know, crossing every T, dotting every I with you about how to walk this out. You have a Bible. You have the Holy Ghost. I'm giving you truth. Go do something with it. Mm. <laughs> well, come on, somebody. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not beating Elijah up today because we all do the same thing. But he, he, he put value on this because of his emotions. He'd had a busy day. He was emotionally drained. He just killed 850 men. That's probably pretty emotionally draining. I've never killed anyone, but I could imagine it's pretty emotionally draining. Even if it's in the name of God, you know, I'd imagine that that would be a pretty rough day. Fire falls, high moment killing 850 people, not so high of a moment. I'm just being real, right? So, so that's where Elijah's at, reclining on his lazy boy. <laughs> so what happens is Elijah starts emoting. There's a lot of emoting happening in the world today where we respond by our emotions and not the truth. Emotions are not bad. Listen to me. Emotions are not bad. You were created with God with emotions. Your emotions were created to glorify Him. Your emotions, did you hear me? Your emotions were created to glorify Him and how you behave. We do not allow our emotions to determine how we behave. Science, I'll just throw this out there. Science tells us that when you have an emotional hijack, like Elijah did, he's sitting on his lazy boy and has it, I'm feeling it. It's been a rough day. And emotions, I'm going to kill you before tomorrow, Elijah. You hear that? Lie. But emotional response, emotional hijack, what happens? 75% of your brain turns off. Scientifically, 75% of your cognitive process turns off. And you react because of your emotions. So not only do we see it in Elijah and how he lives, science tells us this is true too. Lines up. He begins to act out instead of think when life happens when COVID happens when financial crisis happens when medical issues happen when things happen our tendency is to respond out of our emotions because we're not thinking clearly now hold on to that thought I'm going to come back to that so his emotions are dictating how He's responding. So we go on. He says, verse 
for, I'm just, take my life, Lord, I'm done. He's out in Beersheba. Well, he's actually out 15 miles deeper into the wilderness, past Beersheba. Beersheba is the southernmost part he could have gone. He, he ran, it actually means well of oath. I don't have, there's a whole message in that where he ran to. He, he ran to the place of an oath where Abraham made an oath with Abimelech. You can go back in Genesis 21 and read this. There's a, whole, there's a whole message in going to the place where God made an oath. It was a place, it was a wellspring, what should be a wellspring of life. They had been in a famine and now that well would have been full of water. And what is he? He goes out past into the wilderness. And he's out there by himself, leaves a servant in Beersheba. God, just take my life. He's under a broom tree sleeping. And the angel, verse 5, touches him and says, arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, get up and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, he ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days, 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Two things I wanna draw from this passage. Number one, before we go any further, number one is that he had forgotten the works of the Lord. All that he saw was the word of Jezebel and forgot the oath that God had made to him. He responded out of emotion. His brain stopped thinking. And I will tell you today that we must, I said it last week, remember the works of the Lord. Elijah forgot what God had done. Just even, not even that long ago at, at the brook of Kareth. He drank in the middle of a famine. God supplied water and he was fed by a raven. In Zarephath, he went to the widow. After that brook dried up, God said, go to Zarephath and I'll provide a widow. So he goes and finds the widow who's there collecting sticks to make a, a cake and dies. That's what she said. When Elijah said to her, can you... Just bake me a cake. She said, sir, all I've got is a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, a little bit of water. I'm just going to go bake it and die. And he said, if you'll do it, at the word of the Lord, God will supply. And her flour never ran out. Her supply never ran out. When her son died, Elijah was still there, and he raised her son back to life. That's a pretty good miracle. Both of those are pretty good miracles, right? Then he's the next step. In the next, this is in a three and a half year period. We're not talking centuries here. We're talking three and a half year period where God has shown up in a miraculous, supernatural way every time Elijah needed something. He goes to Carmel and he faces off, we said it, with the 850 prophets. The fire falls. The rain, remember, he goes out, sends out his servant and looks over the sea and the rain Starts off the cloud of the size of a man's hand and the famine stops. The drought stops. Miracle to miracle to miracle, he forgets the word of the Lord. He gets distracted with the lie from Jezebel. Psalms 103, we said it last week, forget not all of his benefits. 
Forget not all of his rewards. He has supplied for you. He has cared for you. He has protected you. He has given you new life. He's given you the God kind of life. He's he's displayed his power and his goodness in your life. He's vindicated you. Remember the works of the Lord. Stir up in your mind what God has done for you. Stop listening to what CNN and Fox News has to say over your life. Stop listening to what social media has to say about your life. Determine who you are and what God says by His Word. Get into His Word. What does He say about you? Remember how He saved you. Remember how He healed you. Remember how He showed up in that supernatural way in your life. Remember how He baptized you in the Holy Ghost. Remember the works of the Lord. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure what to remember. Then go back in His Word and remember what He did in Moses' life. Remember what He did in Esther's life. Remember what He did in Joshua's life. Remember how He showed up in David's life. Remember how He showed up in Solomon's life. My God, remember the works of the Lord. Don't allow this world to stop you from thinking about the goodness of God. Being born again, yeah, there's emotions involved in our spiritual life and there's feelings that come with serving the Lord. I thank God I feel His presence. I thank God that I have emotions that respond to Him. But don't forget you have a brain too. If I only had a brain. Pastor Angie's theme song here lately been joking about that. I didn't say it. She said it. I didn't say it. I didn't. She said it. She said it. I was recovering from a concussion. She said it. You have, you have the mind, tell somebody next to you, I have the mind of Christ. 